I remember when I first came here and their, their kids were all, you know, little ones like ours and now they're, they're growing up like ours and uh, he's got a bit more grey hair. But I have to say this about James and it's this. He's not a lot fatter than he was when I first started coming here. He's done really well. And uh, you know, I made that middle-aged spread. Uh, well done, my friend. And uh, <laughs> I, I honour you uh, for that. I, I want to talk to you this morning about a, a subject which is a lot more important than I think uh, initially we give credence to it in our minds. When I tell you the subject, you might feel a little bit ho-hum about it, but it actually is supremely important to the well-being of your family. It is supremely important to the togetherness of your future and for you to achieve all that God has got for you achieve. And the broad subject is simply patience. But my point is this, modern culture, the current world that we live in is the least capable of producing patience of any society in the history of mankind. Let me explain why. If company A can produce for you a product and deliver it to you tomorrow. But company B can get to you that same product today. Company A is out of business by the end of the week. How many know that if we are unhappy with our political leaders today, we can get rid of them by tomorrow? We don't have to wait for an election or anything like that. We want change. We demand change now. We have become such a litigious society that if we are feeling wronged, if we feel that there's been an injustice, nobody contemplates for a moment that God might be doing a work in our life. Heavens no, just get even, right? Let's fight for fair. Let's make it right. And uh, we don't consider for a moment that maybe God has a work in our life to do and has to take us through a valley to bring us out on the other side so we can be broader, larger, more significant for Him. That doesn't even fit into the equation today. Once upon a time, if I had to write a letter, you know those letters that sometimes you receive, Pastor James? I'm sure you don't get too many of them. As a state president, you get a few. But uh, those letters that once upon a time you'd have to put into a typewriter... You know what I'm saying? Roll through the paper, type it out, print it, get it out of the typewriter, read it, realise all the spelling and, and uh, grammatical errors that you made, retype the letter. Then you'd have to go and buy an, an envelope. Then you'd have to go and get yourself a stamp. Then you'd have to go and find yourself a post box. What a rigmarole. Is it any wonder anyone ever wrote a letter a couple of decades ago? Nowadays, of course, you shoot off a tweet before you've even thought about what you're doing, the email is sent. It's out there in cyberspace. There ain't no bringing it back. It's gone. It happens immediately. And we're living in a society where everything must happen immediately. Now, I don't want you to think I'm railing against modernity or I'm against one-click shopping. Bring it on. I mean, I'm looking forward to the day when I can make one touch of my phone on the way home and it's waiting for me at the front door when I get there. And those days may not be too far into the distance. But my point is this, real life, anything that matters, anything of substance, patience is critical to its success. If you're going to have a successful marriage, if you're going to have a successful family, 
and you don't understand patience, it will blow up in your face. If you want a successful career and you want to be able to rise to the heights that your ability affords you and you don't understand patience, you'll never climb the hill. If you want to do something for God, if there's a a ministry on your life, a call, if God has placed something in your heart, I'm so thankful for that. But I can assure you, if you do not understand patience, the call of God, the ministry, the thing that God's placed in your heart will never find its complete outworking. Patience is integral to everything that matters, marriage, family, career, ministry, whatever. And, and how many of you in this room are aware of this? This is, a, this is a, a, a disturbing fact that today in our society, we're indulging ourselves in more tablets and, and pills to deal with mental illness than we ever have before in our history taking tablets to deal with my anxiety, trying to get on top of of my ability to come to grips with my life. Here's a thought for you. Have a think about this deeply. Is this because we have lost the concept or the idea as patience? Patience is the psychological middle ground. It's where we go when our world falls apart so that we don't finish up in despair. But we have now got a culture that goes from zero to 100 in a microsecond. Have you ever seen, you know, somebody cuts somebody off. They make a mistake for crying out loud. Any perfect drivers here this morning, they make a mistake. They didn't see that car coming or they forgot to indicate or some slight error. And the next thing you know, somebody's railing at them, yelling at them in some parts of society, shooting at them. It's like we've gone mad. It's like we've lost the concept of patience. Is that middle ground where we go when our expectations are not met so our world doesn't fall apart. That's the importance of what I'm talking to you, what I'm sharing with you about. Patience stands between my experience and my emotional breakdown. It's that important. And the thing with our culture is that it not only does not support the development of patience, it's literally structured against it. It's structured against it. So we are going to uh, fall headlong into more mental illness more emotional breakdown, more relational destruction if we do not come to grips with the importance of the development of patience. Have you ever wanted more patience? And you need it right now, right? I was like that just the other day. I was flying back from um, visiting our youngest daughter in London and I got one of those seats right outside the lavatory, you know, in the plane. And i got legs that go on a little while, if you know what I'm saying. And in the middle of the night, all the lights are off. And my legs turn up in places where the average person doesn't expect them. And it was about the 42nd person who stood on my toes as my legs sort of went across, you know, out, out in front there. And, and people were lining up for the lavatory, walking over, tripping over, standing on me. 
about number 48, I think I yelled out, God, give me patience. I can't take this anymore. The patience in all seriousness is absolutely important if we are going to develop a, a life of substance and a life of meaning. Now, where do we go to for help here? Because I'm here this morning. I really want to help you, right? Uh, I, in fact, I, I'm going to give you, in a moment, we're going to look at how you develop patience from the Word of God. There is a one, two, three. It's that clear. So if you've ever realized or thought you need more patience, right, I'm going to encourage you, look, write these things down or you'll get home and you'll be really cranky with yourself because you won't remember what he said. Man, what was that verse that showed us how to develop patience? What, well, I'm so impatient with myself. So I really want to encourage you to write it down so you don't get home and get all kinds of angst with yourself. But we're going to turn to, um, to the brother of Jesus who's going to help us this morning with this. His name was James. And he's got to be the ultimate proof that Jesus was God, hasn't he? I mean, let me ask you this. What would your brother have to do to prove to you that he was God? Think about that. My brother, think, I, sometimes I think my brother thought he was God, but I never believed he was God. He liked to behave like God. My older brother liked to behave like he was God. But not for one moment could I ever believe that my brother was God. And James had struggled in the early years believing his brother was God, like any of us would. We grew up with him. We dealt with his dirty clothes. We did, you know what I'm saying? We, we had all that kind of adolescent stuff going on. And now you've got to tell me that my brother is God. <laughs> James struggled with it. The whole family struggled with it. You read that in the Gospels. But in the end... Something happened that convinced James his brother was God. And the reason we're going to drop in on James is because Jesus is the personification of patience. And James had a closer view than anybody else in history. <laughs> James grew up with him. So let's see what James shows us about patience that may well be the key to the breakthrough in your relationship, in your career, or even in your ministry. So let's have a look at this together, shall we? James chapter 5 and verse 7. We're just going to go through this verse by verse and see what we find. Let's read it together, shall we? And he says this, Be patient then, brothers and sisters. He's recognising that both genders are struggling with patience. If you're a young mum here today, you probably need to listen up. If you're a husband here today, you probably need to take note. He says, brothers and sisters, be patient. And then he gives us a really powerful key. You want to you take note of this. Until the Lord's coming. And he establishes right up front that there is no patience in today without ultimate hope in tomorrow. Did you see that? You cannot have real patience in today if you do not have the ultimate hope for tomorrow. Be patient in light of. Be patient until the Lord comes. He's talking about His second coming. So that's our ultimate hope. Patience is fueled by hope. And hope is all based in the second coming of Jesus Christ. He goes on and he says this. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for autumn and spring rains. Uh, you too, you as well, be patient, stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. So he talks here this, about this first kind of patience. He uses the illustration of the farmer. What he's basically saying is this, that you need patience 
in every area of just life itself. The, the harvest for the farmer is his lifeblood. It's his career. And you need patience in your career. You need patience in your life. No skill worth having can, is just a click away. No relationship worth having is just a click away. In fact, uh, some say it takes 10,000 hours to develop a world-changing skill. You have to have patience. You have to apply yourself. The farmer applies himself to life. If you want to be successful, if you want to have a harvest, then you need, in life, you need to have patience. Then he goes on, he says this. He says, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. So he gives us here another area of patience. Firstly, we need patience with our career, patience in our lifeblood. Secondly, we need patience with people. Don't judge. How many know that, that sometimes people can frustrate you? How many of you in your employment have found people difficult to deal with? He's saying here, hey, don't grumble, don't whinge. Don't complain about your leaders. Don't complain about your boss. Don't complain about your spouse or your family or your mother-in-law or the bloke next door. Stop whinging about people because you're lack, that's a sign that you're lacking patience. He's saying here, develop patience with people. Peter quotes uh, uh, just recently to this in, in the fourth chapter of his first book. He says, love covers a multitude of sins. He's basically quoting Solomon from Proverbs 10. Love covers a multitude of sins, right? And what's the first attribute of love from 1 Corinthians 13? Love is, geez, you know your 1 Corinthians 13, well, don't you? Hey, well done. Love is patient. And love covers a multitude of sins. Love is the middle ground. Because when you deal with people, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to get slighted. You're going to get let down. And if you try to call them out every time they slight you, let you down, say a wrong word or do a wrong thing, you are going to be a lonely person. If you want to get to the end of your days and be surrounded by the people who love you and whom you love them, you are going to need patience. Patience is what will stop you from being lonely. I read in the Courier Mail just the other day. They say that Queensland is the divorce capital of the nation. They reckon that in Queensland, 30 couples a day are separating. Every day, 30 married couples are saying, we call it quits. And let's be honest, two people living together in one, uh, in one space, it's crazy. It's not natural, all right? That's what we're called to do. I heard someone once say, you can stay single and serve Jesus or get married and you become like him. Uh, how do you become like him? You develop patience. You see, you develop Patience, and but we, we are losing patience with people. There are some of you parents here today, and if your kids did what you have done, you would consider yourself a failure. <laughs> because you look at some of the things that you got up to when you were a kid, and if your kids did that, my goodness, you'd go from zero to 100 in a moment. How dare you? How can you go? Oh, hang on a minute. So did I. <laughs> but God had patience with you. And look at where you are today. We need to be patient with people, patient with life, patient with our careers, patient with one another. He goes on here and he says, 
The judge is standing at the door. Again, the idea, Jesus is coming back. Keep hope high in your heart as we talk about patience. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As we know, we count as blessed those who persevered. And we do, don't we? Anybody who has patience and has persevered, you see as somebody of substance, someone worth listening to. If you want to become a person of influence, if you want to become somebody who others look up to, somebody who I lean into, then you develop patience. These guys had patience and we, we looked up to them. He said, have you heard of Job's perseverance? I'm reading the book of Job right now. We're going to use Job as the model for developing patience because James points to Job. James says, consider Job and his perseverance or his patience. And have you seen what the Lord finally brought about there? What he's saying here is that we need patience with life. He's pointed that out. We need patience with people. He's shown us this. Now he's telling us we need patience with suffering. (laughs) Patience with suffering. Suffering's a part of life. Grief is a part of of the development of who you are as a person. None of us get through life without having to come to terms with grief, without us having to come to terms with loss. And unless you develop patience, right, you will lose something that's important to you. You will lose something that was maybe your, your right arm, something you depended on, and you won't be able to move on with your life. You'll become stunned in your growth right where you are because you lost something that was dear. You lost something that was important. You lost something that was close to you if you didn't develop patience. And what James is saying here when he's building the drama, he's building the importance of the development of patience. He says, you need it with your career. You need it with your relationships, but you need it within your heart because you'll all have to come to groups with grief. I'm not just talking about you know, somebody who slighted you or someone who didn't, you know, turn up on time. I'm talking about the big rocks of life that disappear. I'm talking about something that was really of value and importance to you that you lost. Some area of your health, some significant person in your family, some cornerstone of your life. And now you've got to live without it. Can you live without it? What he's saying here is that if you haven't developed patience, you won't be able to. But he's also pointing out that those who do have great influence, those who do, we've looked up to. Maybe God wants to make you one of those kind of people. And and then he he makes this statement, kind of just like out of the blue, just like out of left field. He says this, for the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. For the Lord is, there it is, for the Lord. Why does he say that? Why did we just have this whole diatribe on you need to be patient, Patient with each other, patient with life, you know, patient through grief. And then all of a sudden, boom, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. I want to suggest to you that right here is the granddaddy of all impatience. Right here, this is the impatience of all impatience. What he's talking about here is he's reminding you, he's reminding me that you need to be patient with God. <laughs> that God is full of compassion. Be patient with him. You think God is judging you? You think God isn't coming through for you? You think God isn't being merciful to you? Because after all, you know how it should happen, right? You know what God should do and God's not doing what you know that He should do because you'd do a better job of God if you could be God. God's not, I've been praying for you. Where are you, God? 
Why aren't you doing these things, God? God, I'm a little frustrated with you. I'm a little bit ticked off with God right now. Because if I was God, I would have got onto it by now. I would have been there by now. The money would be there by now, right? The person would have changed by now. The circumstance would be sorted by now. And still here we are waiting. And so James thought, I better write this down. Because these people are impatient with God. I better remind them, God is full of compassion. God is merciful. God can be waited on. You need to develop patience with God. <laughs> I, wonder, uh, I wonder how many of you here today acknowledge that you need to develop patience. Uh, I wonder as I've been talking right now whether you thought, you know, I've been a little ticked off with God. I've been a bit cranky with God. I've been a bit angry with my significant other, someone, whoever. Uh, I, I've just been impatient waiting for things to come about. Maybe as I've been talking, something's come to your mind. And there are two areas, really. There's two main areas of patience that need to be developed from what we've just said. Number one, patience waiting for something that should have come. And number two, that's, that's, um, that's compassion. And number two is mercy, right? That's patience waiting for something that I don't want to go. Number one, patience waiting for something to happen that should happen. And number two, patience waiting for something that shouldn't happen to be gone. They're the two areas of, uh, of impatience that really, that we have just covered. And, and patience isn't some kind of stoicism. Um, patience isn't just, you know, grin and bear it. Like, let's just hang on to the end. I'm going to tie a knot in the bottom of the rope and I'm patient. I'm hanging in there. I don't believe that's patience at all. In fact, patience is very much tied in Galatians 5 to peace. When you have patience, you're actually at peace. Right? You're not gritting your teeth saying, I'm being patient with him right now. I'm being patient with them right now. No, no, no. Patience brings with it a peace. So you're at peace with it. You're at peace with God. You're at peace with your family. You're at peace with your work. You're at peace with the world. Because you develop patience, you can live with peace. If you don't have patience, you won't live with peace. But when you have patience, you're living with peace. It's not some kind of, you know, stoicism. I'm hanging in there. I'm holding on. I'm, I'm standing my ground. I'm not giving up. No, you've got a peace. It's kind of like this... this um, confidence in, in the face of delayed gratification. It's, I know things are going to come through. I'm at peace with it. Uh, and I haven't come yet, but I know they're coming because I have patience. I have this peace. The opposite, the opposite of, of, of patience is self-pity. It's grumbling. It's complaining. It's why are the things happening? Why did this happen to me? Why is this going on? I need change. I need it now. That's the opposite of patience. So how do you develop it? Are you ready for that yet? Are you ready for the answer? Or will I keep building the problem? <laughs> how do I develop patience? Well, the model was Job. And as I said, I'm just studying the book of Job right now. I'm going to give you three things from Job's life that develop patience. Three things that you can do. And then I'm going to give you two reflections. The two reflections will empower you to do the three things. I'm going to give you the three things first. Right? You want to write them down. One, two, three. This is what you do to develop patience. Then I'm going to give you two reflections. 
When you think about the two things I give you at the end, that will empower you to do the three things. So as I'm articulating the three things, don't sort of think, oh, that's too hard. I'm not going to do that because you haven't heard the empowering uh, force behind them that I'll give you in the end. The two reflections that will empower you to do the three things that develop patience. If you kind of realize you need more success in relationships, more success in ministry, then you need to take note. You need to lean in and listen to what I've got to say. The first thing in how you develop patience, it's just all over Job, right? I could point to almost any second chapter of the book of Job and you see this. And it's this, process your disappointment in prayer. Process your disappointment in prayer. One of the things that strikes you when you read the book of Job is Job whinges a lot to God, but he, he doesn't get rebuked for that. And it's, it's as if sometimes I like to whinge to my friends, I like to whinge to, but I, I don't want to whinge to God because, you know, maybe God might strike me down. And I wonder if I got that around the wrong way. I wonder if God is actually okay with you expressing your displeasure about him to him. I wonder if God's actually okay, it, it, rather than getting depressed and falling in upon yourself, that you take all of the angst, all of the anger, all of the impatience, and you express it verbally to God. Because that's what I see Job doing. And not just Job, I see the prophets doing. In fact, one prophet wrote a whole book. He called it Lamentations. <laughs> I am cranky with the, with the world and ticked off with God. <laughs> The subtitle, the book of Lamentations, cranky with the world and ticked off with God. <laughs> but what he's doing is he's processing his disappointment. He's processing his anger. He, he, he's letting God have it. And some people think, you know, Job isn't a good example. James holds him up as one. And here's the truth. Sometimes, let's be honest with me now, sometimes you have a stinking attitude. Hello. <laughs> You do, because <laughs> so do I. I'd like to think that I'm on top of it all the time. I've got this great positive attitude. I'm, you know, I'm gung-ho and full of faith. But that's not always the case. And this is the thing. Got to get this right. When you're like that, that's when you least kind of think you're ready to pray. But it's when prayer is the most important thing you can do. It's when, when you least feel like it, because you feel, you know, I'm dirty, I'm unworthy, you know. God mustn't like me right now. I'm whingy, I'm upset, I'm, I'm angry, I'm complaining, uh, I'm bitter, I'm tired, whatever it might happen to be. And God, you know, God wouldn't like me right now. Read David and the Psalms for crying out loud. How many times did David start off with some great lament and he took it right to God? Get honest with God. You know, you might have put off your nice face when you're talking to me. I appreciate that. But when you're talking to God, rip off your nice face and put on the real face. How are you feeling? Let God have it. I mean, feelings, I, I put it like that. I, I, I reckon feelings are like children. <laughs> All right? You can't ignore them, but for crying out loud, don't let them drive. <laughs> feelings... You know, you have to pay attention to your feelings. Feelings are not not important, but you can't base your life on them. I can't give my four-year-old grandchild the steering wheel and expect to live. <laughs> but neither can I take my four-year-old grandchild when we're babysitting and ignore her. I have to pay her attention. I have to lean into her, but I can't let her make the decisions. Treat your emotions like that. 
Your emotions matter. They're telling you something, but you can't let them dictate what you do. You do what's the right thing to do. You don't feel like praying, but you pray. You might not want to express this kind of thing to God, but it's the right thing to do. It's what Job did. And James just held him up as the example of patience. There's got to be something here, ladies and gentlemen. And what we find here, I suggest to you, is the processing of my disappointment through prayer. Two other things. I'm going to read to you from um, the book of Job in a moment. I'll tell you what they are first, and then I'll give you one verse that ties them together. Uh, the second thing, firstly, process your disappointment prayer. The second thing is commit an act of humility. Commit an act of humility. You see in the previous chapter of James, you know, J- James says, don't say you're going to do this and that. Say the Lord wills. It's, it's what your pastor said, you know, 15 minutes ago, whenever he was sitting up here. When he said, look, I, we need to pray for what's going on in there. I don't, I don't think I know what's going on, but I believe God's in control. And so we're going to pray for him. That was a statement of humility right there. Because you know something, when you're ticked with God, you think you know better than God. And God should be doing this and God should be doing that. And what James says in chapter 4 and what your pastor James illustrated to us a few moments ago was that, hey, admit that you don't know what's going on. You're not in charge of the universe. You haven't got your mind around the beginning and the end. But I believe that God does say you don't know what's going on. I can't explain the circumstances of my life. I don't know why this happened. I don't know why that explosion took place in the middle of my life. I don't know why I got that phone call. I don't know why that person did what they did. I can't understand all that's transpiring. And I accept the fact that I don't know. What I'm saying is simply commit an act of humility. Take a position of, of, of humbleness before God where you say, look, God, I don't know, but you know. And so God, over to you. I'm not God. You are God, number, uh, number two. And number three, vote for your growth. Vote for your growth. He says, um, James, the same author in chapter one, he says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfectly complete, lacking nothing. When patience has its work, you will lack nothing. So vote for your growth. Rather than getting angst and getting impatient, say to yourself, I know God is doing something. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know how he's going to work it out. But God is up to something. And so I'm going to believe that through this, I'm going to come out of it the other side. And when I come out of it the other side, I'm going to be more able to help people. I'm going to be a bigger person. I'm going to have greater capacity. God is going to do a work through me that could be done no other way. And so I vote for the growth of my life. I'm going to work out my frustrations in prayer. I'm going to commit an act of humility. And I'm going to vote for my growth. Paul writes in Romans 5.3, he says, he says, but we also glorify in our sufferings because we know that our sufferings are, uh, produces perseverance, perseverance, hope, hope not ashamed. 
It's all part, there is a process that's going on. And if you do not develop patience, the process will be short-circuited. Now, I said Job was the, um, was the model, and I, and I didn't pull a, a verse for Job's prayer because that's pretty much the whole of the book of Job. But I do want to show you a verse for these other two thoughts, this I vote uh, for my growth and I commit an act of humility. And the verse is Job 23, 9 and 10. Job 23, 9 and 10. If you write that down and go on and just look at those two verses, that, that was what will bring it back to you because you won't remember what I said in three days' time, but you'll need patience. So just mark that in your Bible, Job 23, 9 and 10, and come back to that because that will hold you together. That, that's what brings the whole thing together when it says this. Let me read it to you. He says, I do not see him in the north for he is hidden. I look to the south, but he is concealed. But he knows where I'm going. And when he tests me, I will come out as pure as gold. What did Job just do? Job just committed an act of humility. I don't know where God is. I can't see God. I can't explain what's happening to my life, to you. I don't know the beginning from the end. But he says this, I do know that I will be tested and I will come forth as gold. Job just voted for his own growth. Do you see that? And he came out the other side. Many of you know the story. Twice the man he went in, he went into. He came out the other side with double the wealth and etc. and so forth because he was tested through the valley. He came out the other side, twice the man. He came out refined as gold and he had twice the influence, twice the success, twice the whatever. He voted for his growth. And I want to encourage you this morning who are going through a tough time, who are, who are right now frustrated or cranky or angry or things are, hey, vote for your growth. God will bring you through this the other side and you will be a more substantial person. You'll be a person of greater substance in your life than you are right now. You have no idea. So just express, I am not God. You are God. I can't explain what's going on in politics right now, but I know God's in charge and I know that God's going to bring about His purposes. And he's, bringing, he's going to bring about his purposes in me. Now, they're the three things to do, right? Pretty easy, really. I mean, you could, you, know, you could probably do that before you got home. Express your frustration to God in prayer. Just get real honest and open and let God have it all. Barrels, boom. How you're really feeling. Don't necessarily dump on your husband. Dump on God, right? Don't dump on your son or your daughter. Don't dump on your wife. Don't dump on your boss. Dump on God. God says, I'm here. Dump on me. David did. Jeremiah did. Job did. Why not you? Express it to God. Number two, acknowledge the fact you're not God. Take a position of humility. And number three, say, but God's working on me and I'm going to come out of this bigger and you will. Now, what supercharges your capacity to do that? Remember I said there was, I was going to give you two things to dwell on that were going to supercharge and give you the, 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 the ability to do this when, when maybe you might find yourself in a situation where it's hard. All right, so you might want to write these down. Then I'm going to pray for you and we can go and have lunch. You'll have this beautiful, sumptuous morning tea to my right here. Um, uh, in Hebrews, the author says this in chapter 12 and verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter, uh, of our faith, who for the joy sent before him endured. That's another word for patience. So Jesus here endured the cross. He only did it because he had patience. Scorning its shame, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition with sinners or people. So he had patience with people. He's gone through all the things that we went through before. 
patience with people, patience with life, and so forth. You've already written that down, but this is being regurgitated by, by Paul, we assume, whoever wrote this in Hebrews there, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So the first thing to do that will motivate you to do the three things that I've spoken to you about is remember what Jesus did. Remember the past. Remember Jesus, who was patient in suffering on the cross. Remember Jesus, who was patient with people. He forgave them. As a matter of fact, by the way, we get halfway through the book of Acts, we see Pharisees turning to Jesus. The very people who crucified Jesus turned to him in the end because of Jesus' patience with them. I wonder how many people right now who are opposed to you will turn to you in the end if you can employ patience. Jesus employed patience with people. We've, we've, we've considered that. Well, Jesus did it. And you know what he said in the end, don't you? Father, into, into your hands. I, I don't know what's going on, Father, but I trust you. Into your hands I commit my spirit. He took the position of humility. I don't know what's going on. But we all know that he was refined and came out the other side of the cross with a name that's above every other name. We all know that Jesus came out with, with, with a name that every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. And, and so what, what we have is the exact model in Jesus Christ. He was the model of patience. And we see him voting for his growth. We, we see him uh, taking a position of humility. We see him praying to the Father, God, I don't want to do this. Is there anybody else? letting God know how he felt but not my will but thine be done we see the exact thing in Jesus Christ if it was good enough for Jesus if we see it modelled in Job how about me how about you remember what Jesus did I said there are two things that will supercharge your ability to do those three one is cause to remember what Jesus did and the other, I refer back to the first verse I read, is look to the future. There is no patience in the moment without hope in tomorrow. You can't be patient without hope. So we look to the future. We understand the imminent return of Jesus Christ. We know that he's coming back. We know there's going to be a day when all my hopes are fulfilled, when all my tears are wiped away, when all the pain and the suffering dissipates in the light of his glorious presence, when all the I can't take it anymore, when all the I'm fed up with them, when all the I've had a gutful won't matter a hill of beans because the light of his glory will stand before you and every other cut and every other pain and every other hurt, gone. Because Jesus is there. Don't forget this. Remember what He did and remember what He's going to do. And if we do this, i got to tell you, that will motivate you to do, express your frustration. Work it out through prayer. That will motivate you to choose, vote for your own growth and take an act, a position, a disposition of humility. Hey, I'm going to pray for you and we're, we're all, almost all but done here this morning. But I do want to encourage you. I don't know how many of you normally come out at night, but tonight, um, what I'm about to say, you might find hard to believe some of you will write off what I'm about to say and say, oh, that's just a, um, 
Uh, that's just a pastor trying to manipulate me to get me out. <laughs> I understand that. But tonight, I'm going to tell you how to get what you want, 100% money back guarantee. If I don't land it, you can stone me. <laughs> All right? If you ever wondered how to get what you want, come tonight. I'm going to show you how to get what you want. And if it doesn't work, all right, tar and feather me on the way out. If you think he's just overselling the situation, he's just trying to manipulate me, I get that. I understand where you're coming from. I, I probably think the same thing. But I know what you don't. But tonight, you'll know what I know. And I guarantee you, you'll know how to get what you want. So I don't know what you're doing at 6 o'clock tonight. <laughs> Probably wishing you could get stuff. <laughs> Probably watching the television, I wish I had that. I wish I had that. Oh, gee, look what they've got. Oh, I wish I could do that. You could do that or you could come out here and you could find out how to A1 guaranteed, money back guaranteed. Right? No, no ifs, no buts, no maybes. Stone me if I'm wrong. That's how confident I am that if you come out tonight, you'll leave here knowing how to get what you want in life. So you won't need patience. You can get rid of this morning's message. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious, hey? I spoke about the tensions of life yesterday, didn't I, eh? Tensions to hold together right there. But as far as this morning goes, I'm, I'm aware of the fact that you are living in the real world and right now there are matters before you that require patience. You require patience in your walk with God. You require patience in your family. You require patience in your place of employment. You require patience with yourself. Some of you here are fed up with yourself. Some of you here are almost ready to give up faith because you said to yourself, I wasn't going to go there and guess what you did? You went there, you typed in in a www dot, you weren't going to do it, but you did it, right? No one was watching and you thought you could get away with it, but now you feel guilty and condemned. You go, well, what's the point of going on? You've got to have patience with yourself. Have patience with yourself. Patience with others, patience with God, patience with life. The musicians want to join with me. Why don't we stand up together? Let's stand together. I want us to bow our heads and then we're just going to pray. Lord, this morning as we consider your example, as we consider the patience Lord, that you had with me while I was off doing my own thing, whilst I thought I was the, the king of the castle, whilst I thought I had all the answers, you didn't attack me, you didn't condemn me, you had patience with me. And Lord, this morning, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful, Lord, as I, as I look back on my life and I see the times and time again where I might have written myself off. The time and time again where I failed and got cranky and impatient with myself. And yet never once did you become impatient with me. I'm so thankful for the patience that you've afforded to me. The patience that has helped me become the person that I am today. The patience that has seen me overcome so much and become such a different person than I once was. 
And I thank you, Lord, this morning as I recognize your hand in my life. I know that this room is filled with people who could articulate exactly the same sentiment. But, Lord, I'm also aware this morning there are people who need to go away right now and start to develop that aspect, that area of their own life, that patience within their own heart, that patience within their own marriage, that patience within their own family, that patience within their own career, that patience within their own ministry, that patience within their own bodies, thinking things should happen a certain way. They haven't happened. Through faith and patience, we see your people inherit your promises. Lord, we know the importance of faith, but Lord, today, teach us the importance of patience. And just where our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. If you're in this room this morning and you, you were challenged by some aspect of God's Word this morning, we've just opened up God's Word, really, and just unpacked it for the last 40 minutes or so. And if you said, you know, that, that God spoke to me from the, His Word. He illuminated it to me. I go, wow, yeah, I didn't see that before. I see that now. What I want to do is just bring the rain of the Holy Spirit on the seed of the Word that's been planted in your heart. So if you receive the seed of the Word this morning, I think it's wise for us when you plant a seed, you bring a bit of water. I think it's wise for us now to open up to the rain of the Holy Spirit, as it were, and for allow there to be just a sprinkle of His Spirit upon that planted seed that fell as I was just opening His Word a few moments ago. And I don't know where the seed has fallen. I don't know who has received the seed. But if you could identify that, you could say, yep, mate, I've got that seed. I, I, that seed hit me and I felt it. It wasn't just something I was listening to. It was something I felt on the inside. If that was you, I'm going to pray right now. We're going to open up to the Holy Spirit. I want to pray for you. If that's you, just, just signal your hand. You go, yeah, that was me. And uh, just hold them up for a moment just so we can get a, a good view. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah great. Excellent. Thank you. Any others? Okay. You may put your hands down. God bless you. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to let the power, if you will, the, 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 the water, the rain of the Spirit of God just come and nurture that seed in just a moment. But before I pray that prayer, I, I don't know everybody in the room, obviously, very few. And I don't know whether you're a follower of Christ or not. Even if you're not a follower of Christ, you can pray. Even if you're not a follower of Christ, you know, you, you, can, you can start working out your angst with Him working out your lack of belief, just pray. I'm encouraging you. If you're not a Christian, pray and express your atheism to God. <laughs> express your inability to believe to Him. I've got to tell you, this, it'll change your life. Prayer changes lives, even of people that aren't saved. So if you recognize you need some change, just start to pray. Even if you don't believe there's a God there, just start to address him and just start to let all the stuff, all of the anger, all of the disappointment, all of the hurt, just start to express it to God in prayer. Watch something happen in your life. That's the great thing about prayer. Anybody can pray. Christian, non-Christian, even atheists. They all, everybody prays when you're getting shot at by the enemy, they say. 
on the front line. You might not be in the front line. You might have been shot at by in physical bullets, but maybe you understand what it is to be in the middle of some kind of war and, and bullets in the form of words flying at you. You, know, you, you get that. But, but maybe you didn't realize that in that moment you should pray. Just where our heads are bowed, our, our eyes are closed. If you're in this room this morning and you're not a Christian, but you, you would just say to me, you know something? I, I'm going to start to pray. I'm just going to pray and see how it goes. I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm not even necessarily asking you to follow Jesus. What I'm asking you is, that, would you pray? Allow me to pray for you. If you're here this morning and you're not sure about it, you know, you know I'm not sure about, is it seven days creation or is it literal days? How does that work? No, it is ark. I can't believe that. It doesn't matter. These things don't matter. What matters is that you just start to open up and, and, and just turn slightly towards God. If you're in this room this morning and you're, you're not a Christian, but you say, you know, I want to just start that turn. Oh, I'm, I'm going to start to pray. If that's you, if you're here, give me a wave. I want to pray for you right now. If you're here this morning and that's you, I'm going to pray for you. Give me a wave and say, yeah, that's me. I'm going to pray for you. God bless you. Okay, I'm going to pray. Father God, you see all those who have raised their hands this morning. Lord, you know what seed was planted. Lord, you know what fruit is required. And so, Father, right now I ask by the power of your Holy Spirit that you rain down upon every fertilized heart, every seed that was received in this room this morning. Rain down your spirit. Rain down your power. And bring forth the harvest, I ask. In Jesus' name. And everybody sick? Amen. Amen. Hey, now listen, don't forget tonight, 100% money back guarantee. How to get what you want. I'd love to see you then. God bless you. Thanks, Pastor.